Welcome to the Boone's Creek Baptist Church podcast. We are a church that exists to spread God's glory from our neighbors to the nations. This is Pastor Tim Wade, and we pray that you will be blessed as we consider God's living, active, and all-sufficient Word together. I'd ask that you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 this morning, Matthew chapter 5, as we read about the pure hearts that we have just sang and asked the Lord to provide us with. As you're turning there, you may remember that nearly 20 years ago, there's a movie that came out, and and it hurts me to acknowledge that this was nearly 20 years ago, uh, but there's a movie came out called The Village. And you may remember if you saw this movie, if you didn't, uh, it was about a community of people who lived very simply, very isolated, secluded from the rest of the world. They ate what they could grow and hunt. They lived in homes that they had made with their bare hands. They wore clothes that they had made. And they never ventured outside of their valley, in part because of ferocious monsters that terrorized the woods around their community. So long as they stayed in the valley, they were fine. But if they went into the woods, then they were subject to attack from these monsters. They would also forbid their children from ever leaving the shelter of their community, warning them, that even if they could get past the monsters in the woods around their community, that, that if they made it to the other towns and cities outside of their community, that all they would find was evil and wickedness. The towns uh, apart from them were evil and wicked, and they should not ever visit them. The leaders of this community believed that they could protect their families from evil by sheltering them inside of this community. Now, I don't like spoilers, so I won't give away the ending, but, I mean, it's been 20 years. So, if, if you haven't seen it yet, come on. Um, but, but if you haven't watched it, then, then I, won't, I won't spoil the end for you. But the primary lesson that they learn in that movie is that they ultimately cannot isolate themselves away from sin. They cannot build high enough walls to keep evil out, because ultimately evil... Greed, jealousy, selfishness, lying, hypocrisy. It's not something that exists out there in the world beyond their community. It's something that exists within their own hearts. It's something that they can't remove themselves from because it lies within them. Therefore, we need to understand we cannot be isolated. Instead, if we want to be rid of evil, if we want to live apart from evil, we can't be isolated. We need to be purified. We need to have the evil removed from within us. We must deal with the evil that exists within our own hearts. But how do we do that? What does it mean to have a pure heart? And how do we achieve it? And what happens if we are able to achieve it? Well, those are the questions that we will answer today as we consider the next in our series on the Beatitudes. And so if you are able this morning, would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is the Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's once more turn to the Lord in prayer. 
God, we come before you this morning. Acknowledging a weariness that we have. We are weary of the evil that we see so prevalent all around us in the world. We are weary of news story after news story about another shooting, another fatal accident, another drug overdose, another child found dead. Lord, we grieve over these things. And we, if we're honest with ourselves, I think wish that we could somehow get away from it all. Go and live apart from all the happenings in this world. And we try to do that, Lord. We, we try to move to nice neighborhoods. We build fences around our homes. We install security systems and doorbell cameras and all these things. And yet, when we, when we lie our heads down on our pillows at night, we are inevitably confronted with the fact that we haven't been able to perfectly guard ourselves from evil because evil continues to reside within us. Continues to reside in the harsh words that we speak to our family members, in the selfishness that we demonstrate, in the lack of attention we give to your word and prayer. Lord, forgive us and help us this morning as we read the words of Jesus to understand what it means to have a pure heart and how, Lord, it is that we can actually acquire and then maintain that pure heart. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The first question that we must answer this morning as we come to this text is, what does it mean to be pure in heart? Jesus says, blessed or happy are the pure in heart. So what does that mean? How how do we achieve happiness through purity of heart? How do we get this? And this is an important question because the stakes couldn't be higher. Like I said in the introduction, I don't like spoilers. I don't like to give away the ending. but, But I'm going to go ahead and give you a sneak peek of the final point of today's sermon. right? Because ultimately, this question is important because it is the pure in heart who will see God. If you want to see God, if you want to enter into the joy of His heaven, that is determined, that is based on whether or not you have a pure heart. And so we need to answer this question because the stakes couldn't be higher. right? If you want to be in heaven with God, if you want to see Him there, then you must have a pure heart according to Jesus. And so what does it mean to have a pure heart. This is a question that, that we can't afford to answer wrongly. Not only for our sakes, but for the sakes of our children. For the sakes of our grandchildren. If we want to lead them in the paths of righteousness. If we want to lead them to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. If we want to share with our neighbors. That we love our co-workers. That we see every day. How it is that they might have the hope of heaven. Then we need to be able to answer this question. Well, as we understand what it means to have a pure heart, we need to understand that that there's two aspects of purity. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famed British preacher, explains that when it comes to purity, there are two ways in the Bible to understand the idea. First, and these two go together, they're not contradictory. But first, purity conveys the idea of singleness or or something of one substance. 
Pure gold is gold that is not anything else. It is gold alone. If it's 50% gold and 50% aluminum, then it's not pure. Right? It's something different. There's nothing left but the gold if it is only pure gold. And yet far too often, as we go about our lives, we find that we, we struggle with a divided heart. A heart that is not single in its devotion in its love for the Lord, a heart that is often torn between competing loves and competing interests. On our better days, we may think righteous thoughts. We may have righteous desires. We may perform righteous deeds. But at other times, there are wicked thoughts. There are selfish, greedy desires. It's as if there's a a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde living within each and every one of us. As we feel this tension, this conflict between what we want to do, what we know we ought to do, and what our flesh often desires. And and Paul talks about this in Scripture in Romans chapter 7. He says, that which I want to do, I don't do, and that which I don't want to do, I often find myself doing. We feel this tension. And while none of us consciously want to let this monster out of us, sometimes we realize far too late that the wicked side of our divided nature has been controlling us. We've lashed out in anger at our spouse, at our children. We've fudged the numbers on our taxes a little bit. We've gotten carried away in telling a story and we've told a string of little white lies. And we realize after the fact, oh no, what have I done? How could this be that, that I would let myself get carried away and that I would do these things that I don't want to do? I want to behave righteously. I want to, to, to do what God would have me do. And yet, here I am once more. I've failed yet again. All of these things demonstrate our divided nature, the impurity of our hearts. But there's another aspect of purity that we need to understand as well. Purity carries the idea not just of something that is single, that is unified and whole, but but something that has also been cleansed. And this is, is close to the same idea, but it's slightly different. All of the impurities have been removed. There's nothing left but something that is clean and pure. A few weeks ago in the aftermath of the flooding in East Kentucky, I was speaking to one of my friends who lives in Jackson, he told me that one of the main problems that they were facing there was the, the flooding of the sewage treatment plant. He said the water supply there had been infected with sewage so that you couldn't safely use the water, not even to shower, unless you want to be contaminated with other people's sewage. Right? It's not a good situation. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's, if there's one thing, if there's one substance that I want... To be pure, it's the water that I drink. Right? It's the water that I, I clean myself and my dishes and my clothes with. You can take a glass of cold water with no impurities. And, and that's good if it's pure water. But if you add just one drop of sewage into that water, all of a sudden now I'm not interested. Right? I, I don't want to drink it if there's just one drop of sewage in that water. And I would guess that most of you all wouldn't either. 
You might say, well, it's it's 99.9% water and only 1% or 0.1% sewage. It's not that much. But that 0.1% makes it impure and therefore not good for drinking. The same is true of our hearts. Even the smallest defilement, the tiniest secret sin, makes our hearts impure. Now this is, this is bad news. This is bad news for you and me. Because I've already acknowledged that despite my good intentions, despite my desire to do what I know to be right, sometimes Mr. Hyde comes out when I don't want him to. Or, or to update the cultural reference a little bit, uh, sometimes the Hulk comes out, right? If, you, if you're familiar with the Marvel stories and in those movies, Dr. Banner tries to, to suppress the Hulk and control him, and he, and he can't, right? Sometimes the green guy just comes out. Now, maybe you are sitting here this morning and, and you're able to maintain 100% commitment, undivided commitment to Christ at all times. Maybe you're able to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself at all times without a divided nature. Maybe you're able to remain 100% clean, not just 51% clean, not 99.9% clean, but 100% pure in your thoughts, words, and deeds. But I'm not. I'm not able to do that. And I think if you're honest with yourself, then I think you would admit that you're not able to either. Now, if you are, please come and talk to me afterward. I would love to talk with you in my office and, and meet somebody that's perfect. Right? I'd like to know how you do it because I'm not able to. And I think God's word makes it clear that you're not able to either. And I think you might just be overestimating yourself a little bit. But for the rest of us, the non-perfect ones in here, this is bad news because if only the pure in heart will see God and we are admittedly not pure in heart, then what hope do we have? What hope do we have? Well, that brings us to our second question. How can I be pure in heart? How can I be pure in heart when, when that anger wells up inside of me? When that desire to... Fudge the numbers a little bit to, to get a step ahead financially creeps up within me. When, when that wandering eye spends a little bit too long on that man, on that woman, what do I do? What hope can I have? How can these impurities be removed when they keep springing up from within us? Well, there are three ways to answer this question. The first answer is how to acquire a pure heart. And the next two are then how to maintain a pure heart. First, in order to acquire a pure heart, we rely on God's sovereign salvation. That's all there is. That is the only way to acquire a pure heart. There is no amount of money that you can spend for a pure heart. There's not enough good deeds that you can do that your heart would then be counted pure? It's only by God's salvation that He alone can give. Again, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, you can start trying to clean your heart, but, the, but at the end of your long life, it will be as black as it was at the beginning, perhaps blacker. No, it is God alone who can do it. And thank God 
He has promised to do it. God alone can cleanse your heart. And the good news is, He will do it. He has promised you that He will do it. That He will remove the impurities from your heart. That He will, in fact, give you a new heart. Listen to God's promises from Ezekiel 36. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules." Now, if you listen to those verses, God addresses all the aspects of purity. There's cleansing there. There's a a, a washing clean with clean water. There's a dealing with the issue of our divided nature. God puts His Spirit within us that enables us then to walk in His statutes. So God takes what is impure and He replaces it with what is pure. He gives us a new heart and He cleanses us from our impurities. But who's doing the work here? God says, I will do this. I will do this. I will give you a new heart. I will cleanse you. I will give you my spirit that will cause you to obey my rules and address your divided nature. The only place then that a pure heart can come from is God. Because God alone is pure. Only he who is pure can give us a pure heart. This makes sense. We know this in our everyday lives. You wouldn't go and dip a dish towel in dirty toilet water to go and clean your dishes with, would you? It should disgust you, right? It, it, it's, it, it's a terrible thought because you wouldn't use something that is impure to try to make something pure. And yet, And yet, what do we often try to do? We often think that our good deeds... Our righteousness will be enough to get us into heaven. But you see, you can't clean something with a filthy rag. And what does the Bible tell us that our righteous deeds are? They're filthy rags. right? We will never get clean. We will never earn heaven. We will never purify our own hearts by our own good deeds because the Bible says they're filthy rags. It's like trying to clean dishes with a rag with toilet water on it. You're never going to purify those dishes. You're only going to make them more contaminated. God alone, God alone must give us this pure heart. And He has done it. He has done it by sending His own Son, Jesus Christ, who was Himself perfectly pure. The Bible tells us that there was no sin, no spot, no blemish on the pure, perfect Lamb of God. And He went willingly to the cross. And on the cross, He covered Himself in our impurity, our sin, our wickedness. So that God could pour out His wrath on the Son for our sin. So that He could purify us from our unrighteousness. And He would give us then freely Christ's righteousness. We can only have then a pure heart if we have trusted in Jesus Christ and in His saving work. 
This is why Jesus says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through Him because He alone is able to purify. Because He alone has endured the purifying wrath of God for our sins. He alone has paid the price. So we can only have a pure heart if we have trusted in Jesus Christ and His saving work. And if we have done that, if we have trusted in Jesus, then when God looks at us, when God looks at us, He doesn't see our filthy rags. He doesn't see our unrighteousness, our evil deeds, our wicked thoughts. When He looks at us, He sees the pure, righteous work of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is credited to us when we trust in Him. And He judges us to be pure. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how evil your deeds may have been. Because when you trust in Jesus, you are purified. Your uncleanness is removed. Your unrighteousness is removed. And you are given a new heart. You are given God's Holy Spirit. And you are given the righteousness of Christ. And one day... One day you will stand before Him clothed in Christ's purity and you will see God. But if you have not trusted, if you have not repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, then you cannot stand in His presence. You cannot see God. You cannot be pure. And if that's you, and if you're recognizing that just now, perhaps for the first time, or maybe you've known it for a long time and you've, You've tried to keep pushing it down and ignoring it. Then I'm going to invite you. You can feel free just to get up right now and come down and sit on the front pew. And and after this service is over, you and I will go talk. And I will sit with you and I will share the scriptures with you and I will pray with you until God purifies your heart. Once God has done that for us though, and I hope that everyone in here has experienced that. I hope that that your heart, as you sit here now, you know that, that it is pure, not because you think pure thoughts all the time and not because you do pure things every day, but because you have trusted in Jesus and His work for you. If that is true of you, then there are two ways that we can then maintain the purity of heart that He requires. This is not to acquire purity of heart. This is to maintain it for those that have trusted in Jesus. The first one is to study. The psalmist asks in Psalm 119 verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? And what is the answer? By guarding it according to your word. If you want purity in your life, if you want to maintain purity day by day, how do we do that? We guard it according to God's word. We study God's word and we apply it to our lives. It's as simple as that. By studying God's word, we can learn what purity looks like. What God expects from His people. It's all recorded right there. He tells us what He's looking for. He describes a pure heart for us from from Genesis to Revelation. It's all right there. And what God's Word ultimately does is it exposes those impurities. God's Word refines us like fire refines gold. You may not even realize That there's something you're doing or thinking that's a sin. And as you read and study God's Word, then God's Holy Spirit, which again He promised us in Ezekiel 36, which He gives to us when we trust in Jesus, 
God's Holy Spirit reveals to you through God's Word that what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're saying, that's a sin. And as you come to understand that and repent of it, God removes it from you. He purifies you. And so you can keep your way pure by studying, by guarding your way according to God's Word. With the help of God's Word and God's Holy Spirit living within us, we can pursue purity of heart. The second, we, the second way we maintain purity of heart is support. So we acquire a pure heart through God's sovereign salvation. We, we study God's Word to help maintain purity of heart, but also we need support. We need one another to be able to do this. I need you, church, to be involved in my life. And we all need one another. Why is that? Because when I begin to withdraw from fellowship with you, when I begin to isolate myself, when church attendance starts to slip, when my life lacks the deep conversations with other brothers and sisters in Christ that challenge me to pursue holiness and purity, that challenge me to repent of my sin, well, it's much easier then for me to start slipping into sin and nobody knows it. Nobody notices it because I've withdrawn. I've isolated myself. It's much easier then for me to become comfortable with ungodly forms of entertainment with unhealthy relationships, with a wandering eye, with embellishing stories, with white lies, with lack of devotions, with my family, all those things become much easier to slip into because I've withdrawn from the fellowship of believers that supports me in pursuing righteousness. Remember, as we said earlier, just one drop of sewage makes the whole glass of water impure. How much sewage might we be able to keep out of our lives if we have the support of brothers and sisters in Christ? For our students going away to college, this is imperative. It's why they need communities of believers where they're going to college. They need groups that they can get together and study God's Word with and pray for one another with. Because it's so easy to allow things to creep into our lives that we don't want there. When we are isolated from our brothers and sisters. This is why the Bible tells us, I think, in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, remember, we're not doing this to acquire a pure heart. right? We don't do this because somehow this uh, gains purity for us. That's ultimately what... The Catholic Church believes and teaches that by going and confessing your sins to a priest, that priest can offer absolution, you can be cleansed, you can acquire purity. That's not what James has in mind. James is thinking about maintaining purity, maintaining a pure heart. Because when we confess our sins to one another, we are able to provide the support we need to one another through prayer and encouragement to overcome that sin. If I'm struggling with something and I let someone else know about it, then I'm doing battle against that sin and I'm bringing a brother or sister in Christ that I trust alongside me to help me fight that sin. And with their help, I'm now twice as likely to overcome it because I know they're going to ask me questions. 
I know they're going to challenge me and say, hey, how are you doing this week? How are you doing in fighting this temptation? How are you doing in, in your accountability? Are, are you studying God's Word? What have you read in God's Word that reveals to you how to overcome this sin? Or at least that's what we should be doing. That's how we support one another. The problem though is that in our culture, we value too highly our privacy. We don't want to let other people into our business. Right? Because that's mine and I'll deal with it as I want. Thank you very much. Please mind your own business. We don't want to let them see us when we are weak. And so we grit our teeth and we try to get through it. We refuse to be vulnerable. We refuse to be honest about what we're struggling through. But that's not how God designed the Christian to operate. He's given us the church, not because it's fun just to get together for an hour every week and see people that you haven't seen since last Sunday and sing songs together. He's given us the church because we need one another Monday through Saturday as well. We need one another checking up on us. We need one another encouraging us, praying for us, helping us do battle against sin. And the more isolated we become, the more we keep to ourselves, the more difficult it will be for us to maintain purity. You see, privacy is the enemy of purity. Because the more people I have linking arms with me to fight against sin, the more likely I am to be successful in that fight against sin. And yet, and yet so often we deprive ourselves of that help, of that support. Rather than asking someone to help us, to to help us maintain the purity that God has given us through Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to find someone that you trust. Find one or two people that you can confide in, that you know will be faithful to pray for you. And that you will be faithful to pray for them in their battle against sin. As we support one another and help one another clean up the sewage in our own lives. And as we do that... I think we will find that as a church, we are together growing in our purity. That that we are finding as a whole, we are pursuing holiness. And what we sang before this sermon, what we sang as we pleaded with God to give us clean hands and give us pure heart, that becomes easier. And it becomes more obvious, not only to those within the church, but those outside as well. Listen, Here's the deal, if we acknowledge that none of us are perfect, that none of us perfectly love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that none of us love our neighbors ourselves, we've all broken the two greatest commandments, then we all know we've got junk in our lives. right? It's not going to be surprising when someone comes to you and says, listen brother, listen sister, I need you to help me with this. You say, oh well I guess I can do that because I'm perfect too. I'm I'm already perfect. I've already accomplished that. No, you can say, listen, yeah, and and I need your help with this. And together we can fight sin. And we can maintain the purity that, that God was so desperate to give us that He sent His only Son to die so that He could purchase our purity. We We should be equally serious about maintaining it. 
And if that means getting someone to help, then, then so be it. We need that support. But what is the result? What does all this lead to? Why is all this worth it? What is the result of being pure in heart? Well, Jesus tells us here that ultimately, the pure in heart will see God. Of all the promises that are found in God's Word, this one may be the most incredible. John chapter 1 verse 8 tells us that no one has ever seen God. And so nothing you can imagine, nothing you can conjure up in your mind will ever prepare you for what it will be like to stand before God. Moses was able to see the tail end of God's glory. He wasn't even able to see God. God says, if you see me, you will die. It will overwhelm you. He was able to see the tail end of God's glory and it was enough to make his face glow. Isaiah saw a vision of the Lord on a throne so majestic, he says that the train of his robe filled the temple. And when he saw this vision, he cried out, woe is me, I am undone. Moses and Isaiah wasn't able to see for all their righteousness They were not able to see face to face God. They weren't able to stand in his presence because impurity remained. We will never be able to see God or stand before God if impurity remains in our hearts. That is why we must trust Christ because he gives us a pure heart. And when we stand before God in heaven, it will be in Christ's righteousness so that we will then be able to see him. And when we see him, Words cannot explain what it will be like. The Apostle John saw visions of God in Revelation and and words failed him. But he did tell us that in heaven there will be no need of the sun and no need of any candle because God is there and the radiance of His glory is enough to illuminate all of heaven. To see God is to be confronted with such beauty that you will feel as if you have never seen beauty before. To see such light that the sun and the stars will seem dim by comparison. And yet they will be all the more remarkable because He made them. And they are His. There's no human experience by which to compare it. Because every experience that we have ever had every day of our lives, no matter how breathtaking, no matter how majestic, as you've stood on a beach looking out over the vast ocean, as you've stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon, as you stood before the Rocky Mountains, no experience can prepare you because all of those things were made by Him. They are created just like we are. But one day we will stand before the One who created them all. We will stand at the source of all creation, the fountain from which everything good that has ever been has flowed. The One who has no beginning and no end. And in that moment, when we see Him, He will be so magnificent that every tear, every heartache, every grief will all seem like a distant memory. A dream of a dream. It will be like setting down to a great feast and never being filled, yet always being satisfied. Can you imagine it? 
No. No, we, we can't. We don't have categories. We don't have words to describe it. But you will see it if you have trusted in Christ. Consider as we close how this motivated, how this empowered, how this encouraged Job. Despite all that had happened to Job in the Old Testament, despite losing every material possession, despite losing his children, despite his wife telling him, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Despite his friends, his closest allies accusing him of gross immorality. This remained Job's hope. So that in Job 19 verses 25 through 27, Job says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. In the midst of his agony, in the midst of his suffering, this is what Job held on to. That one day, because he knew, he knew that he had a pure heart. Because God had given it to him. And he knew that because of that, one day he would see God with his own two eyes. And he said, my heart faints within me. It is overwhelmed at the joy of this prospect. Oh, that we had this morning such faith. Such confidence that we would see God with our own eyes. Because when we look forward to that day, all the things that you're going to face this week, they're not unimportant. But they become small by comparison. By comparison to God, who invites us into His presence. And He gives us the pure heart that we need to be able to stand before Him If you do not have that pure heart because you have never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, then I plead with you, do so today. Do so today so that you can have the same confidence that Job had. That one day, after your flesh has been destroyed, you will see God. He will give you a new heart. He will cleanse you. And He will purify you. He has promised to do so in His Word. So come and see that God keeps His Word. Come and receive the pure heart that He has promised you. If you would like to know how to have that pure heart today, then come and let me talk with you in just a moment so that we can together open God's Word and pray so that God would give you that pure heart. Let's bow together in prayer. God, this morning we come before You thankful. Thankful, Lord, that You have told us what we need in order to be able to see You. And not only have You told us what we need, You have given it to us. And You have promised to give it to all those that repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that there might be someone here who would do that very thing. That would repent of their sins and trust Jesus Christ. And for those that have already trusted. Lord, let us be faithful to walk in the purity that You've called us to. Let us be faithful to maintain the purity of heart through studying Your Word, through looking to one another to support us. 
in our battle against sin, in our battle to seek purity by whatever means possible. Lord, continue to work in our lives to make us more and more like Jesus every single day through removing impurities and through guiding us by your Holy Spirit to walk in your truth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about today's sermon or would like more information about Boone's Creek Baptist Church, you can send us an email at boonscreekchurch at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 859-263-5466. You can also find us online at www.boonscreekchurch.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.